So here's some weird news. The doctor said, Dave, you need to stop masturbating. And I said, why? He said, because I'm trying to examine you. Hello, I thought I'd start with a joke <laughs> this week on the podcast. Surprise! Hey, you can use that one if you want to. Uh, actually, this week on the podcast, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. I discovered that I'm a perfectionist, and uh, and now I realize why I drive some people crazy and why other people drive me crazy. But I don't want to make it about me. Are you a perfectionist? I'm going to tell you what I've learned you know, you think at my age you stop learning things about yourself, and I'm going to guess you're probably younger than me. Uh, but isn't it funny how our whole lives we still learn things about ourselves? So let's talk about being a perfectionist and whether you are a perfectionist or whether you're just the opposite, and we both kind of drive each other crazy a little bit. We'll do that next on the podcast. So I've been doing radio since I was 16 years old, and it was the first thing that I ever did well in my life. I was in band, and I was okay in band. I was moderate second chair, sometimes third chair, but I was never great. I didn't practice that much. Uh, I was in Boy Scouts, and I was a moderate Boy Scout. I wasn't a great leader. I never made Eagle. I was a good camper, but not a great camper. So being in radio was the first thing I was ever the best at. And really, it felt effortless because I loved to do it so much. If we had an assignment to write a commercial, or if we had an assignment to work on a program, or write a newscast, or record a commercial, I did it with glee because I loved it so much. And it fed upon itself because I was good at it. I got good feedback, so I wanted to go back and do it some more, and do another good job, and get more good feedback, and it kind of fed upon itself. So... It was the first thing I was ever good at in my life, and uh, from a young age, um, I'm not. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm bragging. I've been better than average. Just like if you know you're a great tennis player, or you're the best dancer on your dance team at school, or you're the best drummer in your band at school, or the best on your math or debate team, or whatever it is that you were good at, you kind of know it, and it's not bragging. And I hope you've enjoyed the the privilege or the 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 sensation, the feeling of being the best at something. And I wasn't always the best, but in my class, yeah, so I'm getting off my point a little bit here. So I'm a perfectionist, and what I realized is how that has worked for me. And I want to see which side of the perfection, not perfection debate you come down on. With me, as a perfectionist, things have got to be perfect for the result, not for me. Let me try to explain that. Perfect for the result means I have a perfect parody commercial or I have a really good show. Not about how I feel about it, whether I was too tired to do it or whether it kept me up or whether it made me miss my favorite TV show or whether it cut down on my nap time or whatever it was. I was a perfectionist and I have been a perfectionist because I want the product, the result to be as good as I can make it. And I've driven people crazy over the years, including some people that I work with who are, you know what? I'm not a perfectionist. I'm a, I want to reach a balance somewhere of perfection or good enough versus how it makes me feel. And I've worked with people and I continue to work with people who um, are not wrong by what they believe. They're just different. They're like, you know what? We've worked on this for two and a half hours. I think it's probably good enough. And I'm like, 
fuck that, I'm sorry you're tired, I'm sorry that this is a lot of work, but I want it to be perfect because the results can really pay off, make it worth it. So I worked with, I'll give you an example. Um, I worked with um, (laughs) one of my favorite stories is just the adventures that I had at a radio station in Columbus. I came in there so green, so naive as to how backstabbing and evil and fucked up people could be. And I was so naive, wide-eyed, innocent, 23 years old, working with a bunch of people who were a good 5, 10 or more years older than me who were much more worldly and knew how to manipulate people. They weren't all bad people, but I was just so naive and green. And I worked with a couple of people who they didn't get why I wanted to come in early. They didn't get why it was important to plan the show the day before and and how I would work so hard to make everybody, not just me, look good. And, and it drove them crazy. And I remember one time, I can still picture this guy, and he was a good-hearted guy, but he was not a perfectionist. He was, the whatever you want to say, a good enoughist. I don't know what, what the word is for it. We were in the boss's office, and he was pissed. He's like, you plan all this stuff. You don't leave any room for spontaneity. And the woman that worked on the show was like, yeah, you don't leave any room for spontaneity. And it's like, no, I don't. I really, there's always room for spontaneity if you're so well planned that now you can be spontaneous. But we didn't get along very well because I was the perfectionist and they were not. So where are you? Think about that for a second. Are you the kind of person who has to, when you get home from a vacation, here's an example, you got to unpack, you got to do your laundry, you got to get all the, everything out of your suitcase and out of your carry-on, back to where it goes, and then you can relax. Or are you the kind who puts your suitcase at the foot of the bed and then unpacks as the week goes by? I don't think either one is wrong, but if you live with somebody who's the opposite of you, holy buckets, is that going to be some conflict? What about keeping the house clean? What if you're a perfectionist and every time you have a bowl of soup, the bowl goes right into the dishwasher? But maybe you live with somebody who the bowl of soup sits empty on the coffee table for the rest of the day. Or maybe it makes it way to, its way to the sink. Or maybe you're somebody who wants to keep your car clean. Now, this is funny because I don't like to, I'm not a, not a big one about keeping my car clean. My car is kind of a mess and it doesn't really bother me. And I'm not really super tidy with my office um, uh, because I have, honestly, little stacks of projects here and there. But when it comes to doing them right, where do you come in? Do you want to get it just right when you go shopping? Do you have to bring a list or do you spontaneously walk through Cub, kind of picking things out here and there and going, oh yeah, shit, I forgot the iceberg lettuce when you get home. So where are you? I think it's really interesting. So I'm the perfectionist and it drives some people crazy. Which one are you? I would Love to hear from you. Seriously, every week I say, hey, please send me an email. And we get some emails, but I would really love to hear from you more often. And I know that it's a pain in the ass. But if you want to write an email, that will really help me out for next week on the podcast. Last week I didn't do a podcast because, you know, it was one of those weeks where by the time I got done, Sunday is our work day. And Sunday we spend all day working. By the time I got done working on Sunday, it was probably 8 o'clock at night. And uh, I just wasn't going to do a podcast, so I skipped this week. But two weeks ago on the podcast, I talked about songs that um, that basically follow a pattern of 
they start slow and then they build. And so I got some feedback on that. So I'm going to check some emails here to Dave Ryan at kwb.com. Let me find the top of my email stack here. Uh, okay, I thought I pinned in the top and okay, here we go. Yes, it's from Jim. My buddy Jim, who is a former Marine, he's a chef, and uh, I've never met Jim in person, but uh, he's on Twitter, J-E-M, and he's a Brit, so he's got the accent, and he's very cool and very charming. He says, my friend, I know it's been a while, I apologize with only the excuse that life happens. Finally catching up on everything, and I'm digging the music theory episode. If this is where your podcast is headed, I'm totally on board. I think your experience in the radio and music industry has made you a font of knowledge. Thank you, Jim. A font. I love that. Your analogy of music is like sex is spot on. I know you're in Colorado this week and hope you're fully enjoying your time at home. That being said, I'll end this letter like all letters. If you find yourself in my area, let me know and there's a hot meal for you. I hope I meet Jim someday because uh, he sounds like a really good guy. I don't know that we're going to take the direction of music on the podcast, but it's kind of a fun diversion once in a while. It leads me to my next topic, and that is about how creativity and coming up with content is so valuable. I don't know what field or business you're in. It might not be a creative field. Um, surgery, if you're a surgeon, if you're an OBGYN, there's probably not a lot of creativity involved. I don't know. Maybe there is. If you are an architect, on the other hand, there's obviously a lot of creativity involved. If you're an accountant, Probably not a lot of creativity. I think that sounds illegal. Um, but if you are a um, a writer, a designer, a salesperson, you're in marketing, creativity is so important. So I actually wrote a radio article just about an hour ago for my radio friends because you know we post things and articles and I love sharing what I've learned with people over the years. And I talked about how creativity is really the key that lets you keep going in any business. Let's examine that for a little bit. And if you say, I'm not creative, we're going to get to that in a second because you are creative. You just don't know how to break into that part of your mind. So we'll get to that in a second with a couple of tips. But creativity and creative people are the ones that not only rise to the top, but last and endure for years and years. And I was encouraging radio people, don't just borrow ideas from other people's shows, but work on coming up with your own ideas. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's, uh, let's talk about Eddie Van Halen. He died a couple of weeks ago. He was the musical genius in the band. I mean, um, just a sweeping statement, musical genius. He didn't do it for the fame or the money. He fucking loved it, and he was so good at it, he couldn't contain himself. Prince was kind of the same way, musical genius. Um, uh, in when Van Halen broke up, and maybe you're not old enough to remember him, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on him. When they broke up, David Lee Roth was the charismatic lead singer, and he did shit on his own because he didn't have the talent to create content. Eddie Van Halen is a legend and will be remembered for years because he could come up with the content. He wrote the songs. I think David Lee Roth had some hand in writing. Let's move on to go even farther back, Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel from the 60s. Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. And the sounds of silence. Those guys? The guy who wrote the songs was Paul Simon. The guy who did most of the singing and had the beautiful voice was Art Garfunkel. Art Garfunkel couldn't write songs. Paul Simon could write songs. He could create content. I love that word content because it's all-encompassing. It's everything from a book to a song to a movie to an article online. It's all 
content. Art Garfunkel really went on to become the guy who was in Simon Garfunkel, but Paul Simon went on to become a legend. Let's move on to somebody else. Um, Let's move on to Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift creates content. Taylor Swift will be around for a very long time, long after she ages out of the beautiful young pop star mode. She'll be around for a long time, as long as she keeps creating content. Okay, somebody else. Um, Kevin Hart creates content. Shonda Rhimes creates content. Um, There's so many people that create and create, and they'll be around for a long time. However, the pop stars and the film stars that really they show up and they look pretty, and in my business I see it all the time, there's pop stars that look adorable, that don't create their own content. It is not a knock on them. It's always been there. Back when I was growing up, there was probably, oh, I don't know, somebody that nobody remembers. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody. Um, uh, and right now, I'm trying to think of somebody who, who let's go with somebody who re- we remember. Uh, Stevie Nicks created her own content, and everybody knows who Stevie Nicks is. Uh, however, you take somebody like uh, Stephanie Mills. She had a huge song back when I was about 17 or 18 years old. You don't know who Stephanie Mills is, and it doesn't even matter. You don't need to look it up. But these people that come up with their own stuff, they'll be around for a long time. So whatever it is you do, I hope you get a chance to work on being creative in there. If you go, I'm not a creative person. You are. You just don't know how to open that part of your mind. And I'm going to give you a clue. The more you do, the more you expose yourself to, the more ingredients you have in your creative pantry. And I love this analogy. If you do the same thing, watch the same shows, hang out with the same people, eat the same food, um, uh, go on the same trips, do the same thing pretty much every day, your list of creative experience and ingredients for creativity are very limited. However, if you go to a restaurant or get carry out from a place you've never been before or watch a show on something that you've never been interested in before, like the mating habits of tortoises, nobody cares about the mating habits of tortoises, and that's a bad example. But if you watch something that you never watch or talk to somebody you've never talked to or, or go to a meeting or join a club, you'll have all these experiences that you can pull from, like ingredients in a pantry. Without a lot of experiences, you have flour, sugar, baking soda, maybe some cinnamon, and some milk and butter. Well, here's some things you can make, but you're not going to get real fancy. However, if you have some crazy experience, now you have some tarragon, you have some kale, you have scallops, you have all these different things now that are in your pantry that you can access to be creative. Does that help? How creative are you? How does that correlate to how much you get out and do different things? Okay. Um, I had some other notes here. We're going to read another email. Uh, this is from Caitlin. Uh, she says, Dave, I hope you find this email helpful. I know you discussed trying to find different things on your Take a Shower podcast, and I think it might have a fun angle for you. You're, there's a guy on TikTok that, TikTok that records short videos of himself doing common repairs like changing car oil or tires. 
He positions himself as your helpful, handy dad that can teach you how to DIY something. I think you could do something similar with topics they don't teach you in school, but are totally necessary life skills like money management, career plans, etc. I'm sure it would make uh, interest. It would be you would make it interesting, but also informative. I know you would have some great stories to share around these topics too. Please keep being you. I've loved listening for the past nine plus years. Thank you, Caitlin. I really appreciate that. Um, I love that idea. I love ideas. I get so excited about ideas, and uh, I really love that idea. I'm going to give you something right now that you reminded me of. It's like, well, while I'm following Caitlin's idea, what is something that I could give you right now? Well, it's inspired by Kate Raditz. Kate Raditz is my buddy. She's a reporter over at Channel 4, and I love her so much because she's smart, she's nerdy, she's quirky, and she reminds me so much of my daughter, Allison. They're basically the same person with a slightly but very similar face. Anyway, I was talking to Kate a few years ago, and she's like, oh, I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house. We're, my husband and I are looking for our first house. I want to buy a house. But this one's not right. It's too close to the freeway. This one, you can hear the trains go by at night. This one, the neighbors are like, you know, they have a dog that barks. This one is like, oh, I know what her primary thing was. She was like, it's not going to go up in value. I want to make sure that a house that I buy goes up in value. That was her primary complaint. Not cars, not dogs, not noises. I want to make sure it's a good investment. And I listened to her and I said, Kate, I'm going to tell you something that I've learned. And I will share this with you. Your house is not an investment. It's your home. Yes, hopefully you'll make some money off of it. But it's not about the money you make off your home. It's about the memories that you create there. It's about the Christmas mornings where your kids come down the stairs and their birthday parties and their sleepovers and their first Halloween and their first prom and their first date and... uh, watching TV together and playing on the floor together and uh, decorating for their birthday party or carving pumpkins or whatever. That's what your home should be about. It's never an investment. Fuck that. I don't care if your house loses $100,000 by the time you sell it. If you've enjoyed it and you've got memories there, that's what a home is for. And Kate said she kind of breathed a sigh of relief. She's like, oh my God, I never thought about it that way. And it's true. So she said the other day, she says, I've learned so much from you. And I'm like, well, that's flattering. I'm like, what else has she learned from me? Anyway, um, so that would be a little lesson, Caitlin, that I would pass along. And finally, I got an email from Renita. And Renita's a regular podcast listener. Shout out, Renita. I've met her a couple of times. Very charming. Uh, She's a little bit younger than me, but she's also gone through some shit in her life that you know, we can all learn from. And I said, what are you looking forward to? A couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I said, I'm a big believer in what are you looking forward to? Always have something to look forward to, even if it's a nap. It doesn't have to be a trip or a raise or a marriage or a divorce. It can be something, but have something to look forward to. I'm a big believer in that one, especially on a Sunday and it's gloomy out and we don't want to go back to work tomorrow. What are you looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to a couple of workouts, and I might do a, go to a Pilates class this week. What? A Pilates class? Yes! I might do that. Um, and she says, I basically had my kids ripped out of my life through a divorce, and I didn't get custody of my kids because the judge was very biased to moms that didn't uh, that were stay-at-home moms, and he thought that the kids should go with the husband every time or whoever's the breadwinner. So I had my kids ripped out of my life through a divorce, and I am looking forward to when they get older, 
In three years, they're all out of high school. They want to move to Minnesota to be with me because they've not been particularly happy with living with their dad. Um, I don't know anything about the situation. I don't know that he's a good or bad father, but I know that she said she's looking forward to moving back to Minnesota. That's three years down the road. So what are you looking forward to? And that's about it. Let me check my notes to make sure that I didn't miss anything on the podcast this week. Um, uh, I will only say it's all based on the book. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Um, uh, the book is still selling. And it's funny to me because I thought it sold out. But maybe there's a secondary market now. But I think you can still get it on Amazon because I still get checks in for the book. So it must be moving through Amazon out there somewhere. Um, and people are like, did you make any money on that book? No, pretty much broke even. And that wasn't the idea. I didn't want to make money on the book. I just wanted to have a book. And it's out there. And there's a Kindle version. And there's probably going to be a part two if I ever get off my ass and get around to doing that. That's something else I get excited about too. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you. Uh, send an email to ryanshow at kdwb.com. Give me a review. Give me five stars. Give me four stars, whatever. If you scroll all the way to the bottom of the podcast, depending on where you're listening, uh, you can leave five stars or one star. I think we've gotten mostly good reviews. And from what I understand, the algorithm makes that podcast even more visible and we get even more listeners that way. So if you don't send an email, at least write out a quick little review and give me five stars. Hey, seriously. Thank you for listening. Podcasting is getting so big, it's going to overtake radio. I really believe that one day, if radio doesn't change from a music machine, it's got to change to storytellers and experiences and friendly people that you can relate to on the radio. Because that's what you find on podcasts now. We still do that on our morning show. And I really want to hear that more on the radio with like friendly, warm, relatable people. You can get music anywhere. And I love the music on KWB. But I think that one of the things I love about our morning show is the fact that you can relate to Fallon, or you really get Steve, or you really connect with Jenny, or you really connect with me, whatever it is. Thanks for listening to our show in the morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I'll see you next time here on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything.